Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a praise offering today? He is so good. I hope that you're hungry because there's going to be fresh bread in the house today. God bless you all. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter one, uh, 11. This is an audible, Joseph, so you don't have this. I didn't give it to you, okay? So uh, I, I'm sure that surprises you back there. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 1, we are talking about living faith. And I'm telling you, I'm so excited I could just bust up here today. I'm, I'm excited for uh, this uh, text that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, just all the great things that God has in store for your life by faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We talked about the reality of faith. It is real. It is uh, uh, alive. It is something that has a value. That's what we've talked about. For by it, uh, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, listen to verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Now, listen to what he's saying. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Why did it take faith to believe that? How, was the, how were the world, worlds uh, uh, framed? By the word of God. That's how they were framed, by the word of God. Now, listen. So that things which are seen uh, were not made of things which are visible. There was nothing that we can track back that was seen. Everything that the worlds were made of, they were made by faith. Are you with me, folks? Yeah. John chapter 1 says this. Let me just say this. John chapter 1, I wanted to include this. In the beginning was the Word. That's what was in the beginning. The Word was in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Who is the Word? Jesus. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning, we had to have faith in the idea that the worlds were framed by things that were not even in existence. This is incredible. Where does our faith begin? Right at the beginning, in the beginning. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1 that, you know, the, the earth was void, that nothing was, was in it until uh, Genesis 1-2. And then it says the Holy Spirit began to hover over the earth. And then it says, and then God said, by faith, nothing was there. Jesus began to speak things into existence. They came into power by the creative ability of the Holy Spirit. That's what faith is. It is believing and knowing that the Bible tells us that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and was at the point of creation when nothing was, that same spirit dwells in you. Amen. Come on, somebody. When we talk about having faith, we're, having, we're talking about having the same faith that the worlds were framed through. There was nothing there. I know that a lot of people are in, in a circumstance and situation in their life where they can't see what the outcome might be. But I guarantee you, when God is in the middle of it, it's going to be good, whatever the outcome is. Right. And how 
Can you walk that way? By faith. By faith. Ooh, hallelujah. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed in the beginning. We know that the word was there in the beginning. In him was life and the life was the light of man. And that light shines into the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it because the darkness can't handle it. It can't handle the truth. Come on now. The darkness, some of y'all more mature folk, you're looking at me and laughing because you, you, you know what I'm talking about. The darkness can't handle the truth because it takes faith to walk in the ideology. We are saved by grace, what? Through faith. Pastor Caleb in our 920 meeting this morning, he talked about this idea of, of the heavens and the things that the Lord has created for us when we walk into that place of eternity. But you know what? We have to believe that before we see it, right? How many of y'all believe that there is a place after death for you in an eternal place that you will be living with Jesus forever? How many of you believe that? Because the ones who don't, I have a meeting in the conference room afterwards. I want to talk to you because you got to know that. you got to know that. Our existence with God hangs on the idea that one day, because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, that we will live with him for all of eternity. Come on now, that is amazing. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now listen to this. Everybody say this with me. But without faith. But without faith, let's say it again, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Oh, people, listen to me. Not only is it important that you understand faith, and that's what my whole purpose for these series of messages is, but it's critical that you walk by it, that you walk by faith. Why? Because that's what pleases him. Why does it please him? It pleases him because it shows him that you trust God more than anything else in the entire world. That's why it says without faith, we can't please him. Why? Because we can't walk this world in our own strength. And he has given us everything we need. And when we trust him, life becomes an adventure becomes one of the greatest adventures. It comes the, becomes the greatest adventure that you'll ever walk through. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Listen, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of y'all are hot after Jesus today? Come on now. How many of y'all are hot after Jesus? Ooh, I love that Stephen Curtis Chapman song, The Great Adventure. And he says, started out this morning in the usual way. Had a thought inside my head of all I had to do this day. Okay? And then he starts talking about just the normal things of life. But, and then when you add God to the normal things in life, something incredible begins to happen. And it's time to saddle up your horses because we got a trail to blaze. 
through the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. He is an amazing God who wants you to trust him, put your faith in him, and then watch what he can do. See, that's the greatest thing. He wants you to watch what he can do. Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for how amazing you are. I thank you for all the rewarding that you've done. It's overwhelming to walk with you and then to watch you do what you do in our lives. It's incredible to know that nothing is impossible with you. It's incredible to know that we have abundantly more than we can ever imagine with you. Life, passion, all of those things that go along with living on the earth this day. Father, we thank you, God, that you are a God that helps to move us beyond our circumstances, helping us to see the invisible and prepare for the impossible. Father, I thank you today for your word. It's electric up here at the pulpit today, Father. And I thank you for that. And so, Father, may we walk out of this series different than the way we came into it. May we trust you like we've never trusted you before. May we live for you like we've never lived for you before. And Father, today I thank you and I praise you because you are flat out amazing. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We began this series with Galatians 2.20. And in Galatians 2.20 it says, Paul is saying to the church in Galatia, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. This is a man writing these letters, being in prison. How many of y'all know that you can imprison a body, but you cannot imprison someone's faith? Come on now. Can you imagine living in the situation that he was living in? This was not three squares. This was not cable TV. This was not you could take classes and get a degree in prison. This was prison. It was nasty to be imprisoned in the way that these people were imprisoned. But they did not imprison Paul's spirit. They could not have it. They could not take it from him. Because he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, listen to this, I live by faith. That's where we came up with the title, Living Faith. Because the Apostle Paul writes, no matter where I am, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I've said yes to him. I've trusted him. And no matter where I am, now the way I live is by faith in him. Faith in him alone. That's how I live. Faith in the Son of God who loved me. Love this part. And gave himself for me. That's why he's allowed his life to be lived by being crucified with him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, that is a small verse, but it's extremely profound. The Apostle Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, first, we walk trusting Jesus. And every place we go, no matter what we see, no matter what it looks like, no matter what we're in, we walk by faith. 
We walk knowing that I am a child of God, and as we sang, all his promises are yes and amen. Every promise that God has given the believer, that's how I'm walking. So he says, I walk by faith, and he says, not by sight. Because what happens with faith is, is first, you must believe in order to see. How does that look? What does that look like? Well, let's turn to Psalm 27 real quickly. When you're there, let me know. Psalm 27. We're going to look at what David had to say. Psalm 27, starting in verse 8. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. Okay. Verse 20, or Psalm 27, verse 8 says, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn uh, uh, from your servant away in anger. For you have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Listen to that. That's great faith when he, when he says something like that. Now, verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Because of my enemies, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such breathe out violence. Now listen to verse 13. This is amazing. I would have lost heart unless I believed. David said I would have lost heart, but I believe my circumstances are so out there. That I would, any other, any other way, I would have just lost heart. I wouldn't have been able to bear. I wouldn't have been able to come up under all of this pressure. But he says this. I, wouldn't have, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now listen to this. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying the reason I can have the assurance of everything's going to turn in my favor is because I believed. And because I believed, I will begin to see the amazing goodness of the Lord. Turn with me to John chapter 11. Turn with me to John chapter 11. I'm setting up my message today. This is just a precursor to my message. John chapter 11 verses 39 and 40 says this. This is Jesus at the time that he's going to rid Lazarus of the burden of death. It's the only way I could think to describe it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God. Listen, so often, the way a Western person's mindset is, is that we have to see something before we can believe into it. We, we talk, uh, you know, that, that sounds too good to be true. And there's a lot of things that are too good to be true, but not Jesus. He is true, and then he's good. He is amazing, and then we get to walk in His grace. Amen? Amen? He is who He says He is. And when we believe, 
That's when the adventure begins. That's when we get to see just who he is. Listen, folks. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die for just any reason. He went to the cross to die, so yes, by grace you could be saved. But that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning because that determines now who you are in Christ. You are a believer and everything that he has has now been imparted into you. That's why, as we talked about earlier in John chapter 14, you can do greater things in his name, even greater things than he did. He said it. But we must believe it first and then we will see those things come to pass. If you believe, you will see. Romans 10, 17 then goes on to say that faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of God. And so we build our faith. I told you faith is like a muscle that needs to be consistently exercised for it to grow in strength. And so this is where we are. This is where we're at. But if you turn to Luke chapter 17, Think of where the guys were at this time. When I say the guys, I mean the disciples. Here are these guys that have went out on a limb to walk with him. And they're, they're walking and watching and listening and, and doing. They're walking and listening and seeing and doing. And then they, they came to a place to where they had seen more than they could bear with their natural eye, most likely. And then they came to a place to say, if we're going to move any farther, then something's got to happen in who we are. And they said this to Jesus in Luke 17, verse 5. It says, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. These are 12 people who were walking and watching him every day of their life. And they came to the place to where they were so blown away by the things that they were encountering. See, they just weren't seeing and believing and participating. They were encountering the most amazing things that you could ever imagine. Encountering them, walking with him. And they got to the place to where they said, Lord, if we're going to walk any farther with you, you're going to have to increase our faith. And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed. How many of y'all know how big a mustard seed is? It's just dinky. It's super dinky. Dinky. Is that a word? Is that even in, Betty, is that in Webster's? Dinky? Dinky. The smallest amount of something that you can imagine. In the, in the Dwightionary. The smallest amount of anything that you can imagine. And, and he used that because when you plant a mustard seed, I guess this plant becomes enormous. I've never seen the plant that comes off of a mustard seed. I probably should have Googled that before this message. But the point is this. He was saying, it's not about you, it's about faith. Oh, somebody say amen. amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad this isn't about me. Hallelujah. Tell him that I'm glad he's not counting on me. That we just have to count on him. And we count on him by faith. How do we live by faith? We trust him. We trust everything that this says. That's how we live by faith. And when you do that, the most incredible things begin to happen. All you have to have is faith the size of a mustard seed. And you can say 
uh, to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Wow, that's crazy and incredible. That's crazy and incredible. So as we begin to allow this information to marinate inside of us, I want you to realize that this is not just for the Apostle Paul. This is not for the pastors and the visiting preachers that come to this pulpit. This is not for our staff members to have this so you can live and watch it. No, this is for you and you and you and you and everyone who is assembled in this congregation and watching us online. This is for all of you because we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of us has a ministry. You have an oikos. You have a sphere of influence. You know people that I don't know. You know people that Duncan doesn't know. You know people that Caleb doesn't know. And in order for the gospel to go out to all the areas, we all, each of us, have to trust God and walk by faith. As a matter of fact, we don't have to. We get to. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, you get to do this. Tell them you get to do this. And you should do it like this. Maybe you get to do this. You get to live by faith. And you get to watch God do amazing things. Now, let's hunker down and let's get into the, the, the text of my message in the next 25 or 50 or 60 minutes. Okay. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Why do you think that the... Disciples asked him to increase their faith because they were walking with him and listening to the lessons that Jesus provided them. And if Jesus is going to say what he has said in these next four texts of scriptures to his disciples, I guarantee each and every one of us will have to deal with these exact same things if we're going to trust him and walk by faith. Each and every one of us will be confronted with these next things. In Matthew 6, 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. Wow, that is a mouthful right from the head. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. What are we going to be talking about in these four texts of Scripture? We're going to be talking about four times that Jesus said to his disciples that your faith is too small. That you don't have enough faith. Some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, how could these cats who walk with you, how could there have been four times that their faith failed them and they walked with you, watched you, went with you, did all the things that you do? Because they were human. They were human. They had eyes that saw and they had lives that needed to be lived by believing first and then believing that they would see what would come after that. See, this particular text of scripture, they must have been bantering around themselves. If we go to follow Jesus, how are we going to have the provision that we need to live? How many of you all know that trusting Jesus for your provision is the best thing in the world? It's the best thing in the world. The very best thing in the world. And when you trust him, he comes through for you. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Therefore, I say to everyone in the sanctuary and those who are watching us online, 
Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about provision. That's promised by God. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, verse 26, he's going to make an analogy here. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns. They do nothing. Listen, you know, I know that. Because the more food Tammy and I pack into our bird feeder is the more birds that are attracted to it. And I was leaving the driveway today speaking to my friends, the birds. They had just mauled through two complete large portions of bird food in two days. And I said to them, pals. I'm not going to be home till next Thursday late, so you better ration out what I put in there. Y'all going to be hungry. <laughs> Sometimes you even got to speak to the birds. But God says, these birds, uh, I, I look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them in the poorest country of the world. The fattest bird that I've ever seen was waking me up at 5.30 every morning. The fattest bird, poorest country, making a ruckus at my window. And I thought to myself, what in the world is, that's not even a rooster. It wasn't cock-a-doodle-doo or whatever a rooster says. It was just, hey, hey, hey. And I got out of my room and I thought to myself, uh, I'm not even going to say what I was thinking about a BB gun. Because y'all take it the wrong way. All y'all would take out the wrong way. But I thought to myself, wow. And then it hit me. God shook me at that moment. And he said to me, Dwight, look at the size of that bird in the poorest country in the world. This was the fat. I don't even know how this bird flew. It was so fat. And he, he was sitting up in that tree just showing off. And I thought, that bird knows that, he, that God takes care of him. How many of y'all know that about 425, 5 o'clock in the morning, that the birds are anticipating sunrise? They just start singing like crazy. They start doing their bird thing. And they're loud. And it's a beautiful thing because they're anticipating that the God who created them is now going to feed them. Now, you can, you can all hash this out any way you want to. But I'm telling you, his creation knows him. And this is not, no, we're not going to get birds saved. This is not nothing about this. This is all about you. Now, listen to me. For all of you who are getting ready to leave. This is what Jesus, he said, your, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Listen, you are children of the most high God. And the God that feeds the birds who do nothing, he's the one in charge of you. And he's going to make sure that you have everything you need. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Without a show of hands, nobody raising your hand, but yet you're blinking with your eyes. How many of you worry too much? Why? You can't add anything to your life through worry. 
So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like all of these. Man, come on now. Everything that God has created is for you to see that you even have more value than that. As a matter of fact, he created them for you. Before the foundations of the earth, Ephesians 1 were created. I had you in mind. That's how special you are. That's your value. That is your value. I told you the one day that we were in Nepal and I saw these cheap flights to see uh, Mount Everest. And, and uh, we got up in, in a plane and started flying at about 29,000 feet. And then the pilot said, there is the tip of Mount Everest. It looks just like the picture. A little uh, hump like that and then a peak that goes down. It is absolutely gorgeous. I had tears in my eyes. And God said to me in that Buddha airline plane, he said, Dwight, I created that just for you because I knew you would be here today to see it. Now, I don't know what your relationship with God is, but when my God speaks to me like that, I feel so valuable. That before the foundations of the world, he knew this crazy boy from Reynoldsburg would be in a Buddha airline plane wanting to see the tip of Mount Everest because I live by faith. Live by faith. And then I got to see Mount Everest. Come on now. You can't make this stuff up. You just can't make it up. Now... Verse 30 says this. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Mm. He said to his disciples, what are you concerned about? You don't have to worry about any of this provision stuff. You are more valuable than anything I've created. You're on my team, and now you get to see what I can do. For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. And here is how it works. Everybody read this with me. Verse 33. Get that up there, Joseph. Verse 33. 633. Joseph is a little shell-shocked. Because he and I... Had to spend, we got to teach in Kenya through a live video feed for 11 hours and 15 minutes straight. And Joseph was my man that helped me put that all together. So I think he's still a little bit now. Let's all read this together. But seek first. Oh, wait a minute. I can't. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. You need a break. Everybody stand up. Let's stand and read this together. You ready? But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Seek first. What is the answer for your provisions? Seek God first. And he will add all of these things to you. You may be seated. For those of you who are wondering where and what and how, how you're going to make it, how you're going to do it, can I, can I get through a, a, a recession? Can I get through economic bad times? 
You know, I know that everybody's paying 400 to $450 a month more to live right now because of inflation. But guess what? There is no inflation in God's economy. What do I mean by that? Because if you need more to live, you can trust Him. If you're putting your faith in Him, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. The Bible says in Philippians 4.19, it says this, For my God, everybody say, my God. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-uh, he's my God. Tell him, uh-uh, he's my God. My God can supply all of my needs according to what? His riches and glory. Aren't you glad he doesn't depend on you? So glad that he doesn't depend on me to do what he can do. This isn't about what Dwight can do. This is about what God can do. This is about what faith is. And faith is believing before you see it. If you would have told me for two years I would have made $10,000 and $11,000 and we would not have missed one bill, I would have told you that is not humanly possible. But that's what happened when I got laid off from Rockwell. Two years, 10 grand, 11 grand. Sweetie, as my witness, did we, were we ever late on a bill? Did we ever miss a payment? Did we ever miss a meal? The answer is no. No, but I got to the edge of who I was one day. The very edge of who I was one day. When I went down into my kitchen and I looked into my cupboards, this was the middle of the second year of this lack of, of it. well, we didn't lack anything. This reduction of how much I made. God never reduced himself. Listen to me. Went down into my kitchen, opened up all my cupboards, opened up my refrigerator, opened up my freezer, zero, no food. No food. I'm standing at my sink crying. I got tears coming down my face. I feel like a failure. My wife comes downstairs, puts her arm around me and says, what is wrong, sweetie? I said, what is wrong? I got no, we got no food in this house. I'm a failure as a father and as a husband. She said, no, you're not. What do you mean you're a, well, look at it. I've done a terrible job providing for you. And she said, sweetheart, you're not the provider God is. And she said, we need to pray. If we have no food, we need to pray. And I told her, I have no faith. I could not believe that something good could happen. I had no, I was out of faith. And I know some of you right now, you're out of faith. And today, we are going to pray for you at the end of service. We're going to pray that God would restore your faith. So the kids come downstairs, they're bouncing, they're happy, they're excited. And Tammy had the audacity to say to them, get your bowls out of the cupboard and go sit down. We're about ready to have breakfast. And I cornered her and I said, have you lost your mind? Did I not just say to you, we got no food and you're telling our girls that? She said, honey. I said, she just said, we need to pray. And I said, sweetie, I got no faith. She goes, okay, let me grab your hand. She said, father, in Jesus' name, we need food. We don't have any. And I forgot to tell you the next part. We had no toothpaste. Not, not, not any toothpaste. Uh, when I mean not any, how many of y'all take your toothpaste tube and you rub it on the end? Come on now. And you've put both thumbs on it trying to get it to squirt up so you can grab your... Okay, there it is. Oh, there it is. And you stick it down inside the hole. Am I the only one that's ever done that? 
My breath was so rank one trip to Africa, and I had squeezed the tube and squeezed the tube. I went over to Chuck's store and I said, bro, you got to give me some toothpaste. I can't do this another day. So Tammy said, go in and wash up just real quick and come back out. So I would go into the bathroom thinking I'm going to get some toothpaste. She's already done that, probably for a week. And she got a razor knife and cut the tube in half. She opened it up. One side was for Allison, one side was for Megan, and baking soda was her provision for her teeth. Because that's what moms do. Mother's dad told you all how amazing you are. You're absolutely amazing. So I went in there and saw there's no toothpaste, and that about crippled me. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm not even going to reveal what I said in that moment of my flesh. Just being honest, okay? Can we just be grown-ups here? And so I went in and I said, why didn't you tell me the toothpaste tube was cut in half? She said, let's just pray. And then so she starts praying for the food that's going to be in the girl's bowl. And I'm like, this is out of hand. This is out of control. This is, uh, this is not right. So the doorbell rings. We go to the doorbell and out, out in the doorway and like, oh, yes, Tammy prayed for food. And then she said, oh, by the way, Lord, we don't have any toothpaste. Could you help us out? And I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, God doesn't care about toothpaste. She said, oh, yes, he does. He cares a lot about toothpaste. That's why he gave us chiclets. <laughs> and I want to keep as many of mine as I can. It's a real fight these days. Growing up's tough. So at the door, <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> I love the joy of the Lord. I, we haven't lost our minds. It's all good. I know exactly where I'm going, what I'm doing. Everybody relax. And so there's four boxes of cereal. There's juice. There's milk at the door sitting on the porch. So I'm blown away. Tammy says, get the cereal. And, get, and Allison or Megan, they loved life cereal. And they said, Daddy, that's our favorite kind of cereal. Life cereal, that's our favorite. And I thought, God, you are amazing. So Tammy goes, open it up, get ready to pour the cereal. So I opened it up, opened the box, started pouring the cereal into Megan's bowl. And what do you think fell out of that box? Not uh, all y'all who know, you can't answer this, all you new people. What do you think fell out of that box of life cereal? A tube of toothpaste. I kid you not. You can't make this stuff up. Only God can do that kind of thing. A tube of toothpaste came out of that box of cereal. And there was never, ever, never, ever, ever, never another time that I didn't trust God for everything that we needed. You can trust God. Amen. You know, we began to trust him five years before that. And I told you, how did you do that? I said, I was uh, making great money back in the early 80s, throwing a God a bone. When I say that, I wasn't tithing. And Tammy every week was asking me, how much should we give? And I'd say 25, 30. And when I really felt powerful or I had an overtime check, I would say 50 bucks. 
And so I told you the story when I read, why, how, why would a man rob God? And I couldn't imagine who would be silly enough to rob God. Now I'm talking about me only. This is not you, this is me. I'm saying, why, Dwight, would you do that? You couldn't be, that. you possibly wouldn't rob God. I told you, I thought of my dad's wallet sitting on his dresser and me going into his wallet and stealing money out of my earthly father's wallet. That's the picture God gave me. And then I read, how does a man rob God? In the giving of his tithes and offerings. And then I read on to say that when you give God what you're supposed to give, he keeps the enemy out of your storehouse. And we were watching that happen with the ten dollars and $11,000 of income. He kept the enemy away and the blessings coming. The blessings coming. I could tell you 10, 15 more stories. I could tell you that my sister brought us five bags of meat from Carfagna's one December afternoon. Had no idea, didn't share anything with her. She didn't, she didn't roll into Aldi's. Not that Aldi's is bad. I roll into Aldi's all the time. I'm just trying to make a point of how our father works. She rolled into Carfagna's and got bags of roast, bags of steak, bags of chicken, bags of hamburger. And she said, Ike, that's what she, you know, Ike and my little brother, hey, I just thought you, this might help you guys out and just gave me a kiss and we talked for a minute and then she left. After we got done crying, because this is in the same time period, we put all the meat away, and in the bottom of the last bag was an envelope. Last bag. You know how God works. He gets you excited, and then he really, boom, he puts you over the top. It was an envelope in that last bag that had 10 $100 bills in it, and it was everything we needed to pay our December payments. I didn't have one, job, one paint job all that month of December, but God paid my bills in advance through somebody else. You can't make this stuff up, guys. So when I'm teaching about this, I'm not teaching about it out of somebody that's trying to give theory to you. I'm teaching you from somebody who has lived it. What have I always told you? Don't read a book from somebody who writes it that hasn't done it. When they've done it, then what they're writing out, out of is the encounter that they've had with God. Now... It's amazing how God can work. I have a hundred testimonies that I could tell you from all the nations that I've traveled of how people depend and have faith in God alone. It could not be 1126. Caleb, are you messing with the clock? Is that you messing with the clock? We have three more of these to go. Would it be possible? <laughs> Would it be possible maybe? God is amazing, folks. And these disciples were in a place where their faith wasn't where God needed it to be for the work that he was going to have them do. And he said, why do you have such little faith? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 real quickly. About as quickly as the other one I just read you. <laughs> faith over provision. God knows what you need. He'll take care of you. Yeah. Trust him. Yeah. Second one is this, faith over fear. Yeah. Fear is one of the most crippling forces that the enemy has in his bag. Yeah. 
Now when they got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, that when the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Why was Jesus asleep, but the boat was rocking all over the place? Why? Why what, what would your thought be? Could it be possibly that he's the one that created the wind and the waves and he wasn't worried about it? Could that possibly be what happened here? But guess who didn't create it and guess who wasn't there at that time? His disciples. Then his disciples came to him, awoke him and saying, Oh Lord, please save us for we are perishing. Jesus, sweet Jesus, son of the living God. Do you think that's the way that read? Oh, no. Trust me, they were going like this. Hey, Jesus! Jesus! Somebody get Jesus! Somebody get Jesus up! Oh, Jesus, get up! Can you see we're going to perish? Save us! We're perishing! And then what did Jesus say to them? Why are you what? Why are you fearful? Why are you fearful? O oh, ye of little faith. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. Now listen to what verse 27 says. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Wow, this was Jesus setting them up for an amazing lesson. Something that was gonna, they were going to be confronted with. He knew the schemes and the plans of the enemy. And he knew if these guys were going to be the great disciples that he called them to be, to, to run the entire New Testament church, that they were not going to be able to be people that operated out of fear. Fear is debilitating. If you have ever been strapped by any kind of fear, you know that it strips life from you. You can't breathe sometimes. You go through anxiety attacks. You go through all kinds of fear, things that happen to you, and you can't do, you can't even function. Uh, Y'all know about the fear that I went through in the fear of flying. The enemy tried to strip my destiny from me, tried to kill it before it ever got off, literally off the ground. Because he knew if I got in an airplane and began to flew or began to fly, that there would be hundreds of thousands of lives that would be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, when we're dealing with fear, you have a choice to make. You really do. You have a choice to make. You can either walk in fear or you can trust God. You can either walk in fear or say, Jesus, I need you to calm my waves, calm my sea, calm the things that are going on in my life. The Bible says through prayer and supplication, when we pray to Jesus and we supplicate, we, we stay focused on it, we press into it. The Bible says the God of peace will come into your life and he'll bring you a peace that passes what? All understanding. You're not even going to have the ability to comprehend it. There's no words that you can create to, to physically or earthly talk about what God has done in your life. You can't even comprehend it. It's so amazing. 
But when you pray and take your hands off of it and allow him to be him, then amazing things happen. Things that, are, that pass all understanding. Those are the things that begin to happen. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if fear is coming on you, who gave that to you? Right. I, I'm, it's not a rhetorical question. If God does not give, he's not a God who gives fear, then who does? I can't hear you. Who? Then tell him to take it back. Tell him you're not interested. Tell him you don't want to live your life that way. Tell him by the blood, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. You tell him that my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can imagine. You've got to tell him that he has no right, no rule, or no reign in your life. He has no authority over you. And you've got to get serious. You can't play around. And then you've got to stand up. When everything else around you looks like it's blowing away, then you got to stand at the bow of your ship and say, He's the king of the world! <laughs> and you just got to stand there, the boat rocking, the waves smashing, the water hitting you. You just got to stand in the midst of all your circumstances. And you have to trust Him. You have to trust him. You have to believe before you will see. And it can be painful. I'm not going to lie to you. It was painful to overcome that fear that had trapped my life. How did you get so lucky to be so fearful? Well, let me tell you. From one to five, my mom never let me out of the house. She watched over me a little too much. I was in the backyard at five years old, and my brother's buddy said, who's that kid in your backyard? And my brother goes, that's my brother. And they go, no, dude, he's this big. Where have you been keeping him? And they're thinking, your mom hatched that? Five years. And the kids in the neighborhood didn't even know I existed. Why? Because my mom wouldn't let me out of the house. She wouldn't let me out of her sight. Why? Because she was strapped with fear that something would happen to dear little Dwight. And that, that was imposed on me. You know, that was what the DNA that I grew up under. But you know what? That wasn't God's best for me. That was not God's end for me. And by faith, I had to stand and say, in Jesus' name, I am coming against that fear. I'm going to stand if all else fails. And I told Tammy that, and I meant this, we, our flight from New York stopped in Austria, and I told her that if I lose my mind between New York and Austria, just put me in a straitjacket, I'll live all of my days worshiping Jesus with whatever mind I have left. And I wasn't kidding. And she was worried. Kind of like, you really want to do this, not knowing if you think you can do it? And I said, I have to do it. I have to do it. And what you'll find out is one of your greatest healings that you'll ever have might come at 37,000 feet. When you're sitting in an airplane with tears running down your face, thanking God that you overcame something that crippled you for 10 years. Crippled. 
What cripples people? The fear of man, fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of not of the unknown. God is the God of all of those. You don't have to fear any of them. You just need to put your faith and your trust in him. Turn with, with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 14, real quickly. Same situation. Disciples were in the boat. The seas were rocking. Everything was happening. These were guys who were fishermen, folks. Some of them were fishermen. That's not their first rodeo. So how bad must this have been? Same thing's happening. Guess who's not in the boat? Jesus. He's not in the boat. Why? Because at some time, you've got to pass your own test. You got to know Jesus is with you even when you don't see him. Right. Ooh, baby, that's faith. Oh, Caleb. Ooh, that is faith. When the last time that you, this all played out, you were good with it, but now you're in another one, you have no idea how this is going to work out, and you can't see, feel, taste, see, or smell Jesus. And the guys were in the boat. Guess where Jesus was? The same place he always is, always watching over you. How can Jesus do that? Because God's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. Dang. Guess who's not omnipresent? The enemy. He's a phony. He's a fake. He's a liar. He's destructive. He wants to ruin your day, ruin your gifting, ruin your calling. But he can't be everywhere at one time. God can. So where's Jesus? He's, he's out there walking on the water. He's watching this. He's watching the boat walk through. He's watching the way the guys react. He's watching the way everything's going. And then somebody looks outside of the boat and says, oh my gosh, there's a ghost out there. And Jesus says what the angels always would say. You know, because they look so, but immediately Jesus spoke to them in verse 27, be of good cheer. It is I, don't be afraid. See, don't fear, afraid. They were afraid because the boat was rocking. Jesus wasn't in it. So what attacked them? Again, just six chapters later, fear. But this is a different thing. So Jesus said, I'm here. They all got calm. He said, Peter said, if that's you, Jesus, can I get out of the boat and walk to you? Jesus said, come on out. You can walk to me. Peter gets out and he starts walking. And then he starts looking around. He starts looking around, and then his left foot went sunk, and then his right foot, and now he's underneath, he's flailing around. Why? Was it because he really couldn't walk on water? Was it really because Jesus couldn't make that happen? No, it was because he took his eyes off Jesus. And then, listen to what Jesus says. He told him, come out in the boat, and then in verse 30, but when he saw the wind was boisterous and he, he was, what, afraid, he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith. He said, listen, here's the third word. Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? See, that's another tool the enemy uses that when you get into your next jam, you start doubting if Jesus can really do it again. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, if you trusted God for this thing, you can trust him for this one. It might not come the same way it did the last time, but it'll come. It'll come. Have faith. Trust him. It will, it will happen. 
Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. The fourth, thing, fourth time Jesus said you don't have enough faith. Jesus had just spoke to the Pharisees, then the Pharisees and Sadducees, verse 1, came testing him, asking if they would show him, a, they, that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered to them and said, whenever it's evening, you say it will be fair weather because the sky is red. How many of you still use this? Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in morning, sailors take warning. The, nothing's new under the sun, folks. They, 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 they said those same things back then. It's the way they would gauge to maybe what they would do the next day and prepare themselves. They didn't have uh, Dave Mazza uh, giving you the weather forecast 27,000 times a day. Good Lord, how many times do we need to hear about the weather? Are you serious? I told you I was in Kenya one day not knowing what to talk about. I, guy picks me up, so I'm driving around, and I say, hey, what's the weather going to be like today? And his deep answer was, I don't know. Stick around, and we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have Dave Mazza. We don't have the, the weather. We don't watch TV like you Americans do. But stick around. The weather will play itself out. Right? A wicked and adulterous generation, they always seek after a sign. No sign shall be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left and departed. Then, uh, now, when his disciples had came to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Not a, not a great thing. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What was he talking about? Do not let the influence of that spirit into your life. Because when you become like the Pharisees, you're always going to be looking for a sign that I've already given. And then it's going to reduce who I am in your sight. Why? Because you're going to begin to reason among yourself what God can do. Mm. How does that look? Well, when I, began, I told you guys when I went to the ministry, the very, my very parents were the ones who said to me, how are you going to do that? You have a great job. You make a lot of money. You have health insurance. How are Megan, Allison, and Abby, how are they going to live? You'll have no money to provide for them. See, that's reasoning. You can't do this because of these things that you see with your natural eyes, but you do it because you walk by faith. And so if God called me into the ministry... Would he not be the same God that provided for Tammy and I when we made 10,000 or 11? See, that was a test. That was a time of preparation that Tammy and I got to see how amazing God was. Because when it came time to reduce our salary, like 60%, would we be able to do it? And the answer was yes. There was no doubt in our mind. Nobody could talk us out of it. Let me just say this to you. If you're on the phone and somebody's reasoning with you about what God can't do, hang up. Hang up and call somebody who has great faith and talk to them about your circumstance and let's see if the answer's different than the person who began to reason with you. So the, the, the disciples, y'all with me? Y'all with me? Hang with me just another moment. The disciples thought that Jesus was mad talking about leaven of the Pharisees 
Because what makes bread rise? Yeast. That's what leaven is. So he, they thought they, he was using that example about leaven of the Pharisees because they had forgotten the bread. See, they were in a panic. They were saying, Tammy, did you bring the bread? Kim, did you bring the bread? Did you bring the bread, Sam? Ah, nobody brought the bread. Jesus is going to be so freaked out. He's going to be so upset. We don't have any bread. That's exactly not what was on Jesus' mind. It says, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, is it because we have taken no bread? And Jesus, being aware of it, said to you, O oh, ye of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have bought, brought, no, or brought no bread? Do you not understand or remember? Every time we hold that communion cup, why do you think that the Bible says, do this in what? Remembrance of me. Because Jesus knows you have a short memory. One of the coaches in the NBA got fired at the end of this season, and he just won it all the year before. People have a short memory, real short memory. And Jesus said, if they're going to have the faith, they need to walk this out. Every time they take communion, they need to remember the price I paid for them so that they can continue to move forward in the destiny that I have them, for them. Jesus said he reminded them of the time he fed the four, the thousand, the five thousand. See, he didn't want them to reason amongst themselves about what was going on with bread. He wanted them to remember the times he provided bread out of nothing and even created leftovers. And he wanted them to say, Jesus, we forgot the bread. Do your thing. Can you do the Jesus thing? We have no bread, but we know you can do the Jesus thing. And you can make something out of nothing because what did he create the worlds out of? Oh my goodness. He created the worlds out of nothing. So could he not create bread out of nothing? Quit reasoning among yourselves. Quit listening to people with no faith when you're in a situation where you need great faith. Mm, 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 mm. What do I always tell you? Hang around somebody who has been forgiven much and you will watch a life that would do anything for the one who forgave them. Amen. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Find somebody that's been healed of something incredible and then ask them to pray for you when you need something incredible to happen to you because they got faith that already happened to them. Already happened to them. Why do you reason among yourselves? Four places where Jesus challenged the faith of the ones who walked with him every day. Don't think that you are on an island or that you can do it all yourself, but don't forget the one who can do exceedingly more than you can ever imagine. Walk by faith, believe, and then you will see. Then you will see. If I were to ask you today, how many of you want to do something great in the kingdom of God? 
How many of you would raise, uh, this is not a rhetorical question. How many of you would say, Pastor, I want to do something great for God? You say, I want to do, so I want you to stand right where you are. You say, Pastor, I, I, I want to do, I want all of those, uh, Duncan and Zipporah, that's you too, we didn't hear back from you, but come up. All of you who we asked to come and minister, we are going to stop the enemy from progressing any farther in anyone's life today. We are going to try, we're going to inspire people to trust God beyond where they are now and where God wants them to be. How many of you would say that I want to do something great for God? You raised your hands. But how many of you would say that there's some kind of roadblock? There's some kind of something stopping me because I need more faith. I can't trust God with my kids. I can't trust God with my finances. I can't trust God with the fear that's overwhelmed me. I can't trust God to know that if I stopped doing whatever I'm doing today and I started doing whatever he wanted me to do, that I would have no provision. How many of you would say that there's something that you are facing in your life right now, whether it be fear? I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that fear is the number one thing that the enemy uses to mess with people's minds. How do I know you're facing fear? Because you deal with anxiety every day. You've walked in that place where depression is right at your doorstep, but you fight it off. You want to be doing something different than you're doing right now, but you just don't have enough faith to believe that God will take care of you if you choose to do what you need to do God's way. And today, we are opening up the altars at the end of this series. And we are saying that if the disciples themselves had four major things that Jesus spoke to them about not having enough faith, I know that many of us don't have the faith we need to face the next place that God's taking us. If you are here today and you say, Pastor, I raised my hand, I want to do something great from God, but I just, I don't have the level of trust. I, 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 I've heard a message on faith a thousand times, but I just haven't taken that step out there. I believe and I need to see. Well, today's your day. We're gonna ask God to come and touch whatever that thing in your life is. Do you have faith that God can touch you? Do you have faith that God can touch you? I do. Why? Because he's touched me multiple times. That's where your faith comes from. And all of these people up here today are here to pray for you. So what I'd like you to do is trust God. Trust him for your family. Trust him for your marriage. Trust him for your provision. Trust him for all of those things that you've doubted that he can do. Trust him in the times that you've reasoned back and forth that he's not able to do what he said he can do. And I'm asking you to stop thinking and start believing. So if that's you right now and you say, Pastor, I need God to, to move me in one of those areas of faith. I need God's, I need to trust God 
for where he's taking me without thinking another thought or worrying about what your neighbor is doing, I want you to come right now. Come and join one of these folks right now. Right now, don't think another second because the enemy's going to talk you out of coming up here. Trust me, that's what he does. He whispers in your ear and says, God's not going to touch you at this altar call or any other one that you've already been to. Trust him. Trust him. Come right now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.